G'day and welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, episode number 51, COVID edition. I am your host, Jacob Andre, and today I'm talking to Jessica Scolieri. So if you'd like to know more about living with long COVID, stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jacob Andre, and for over a decade, I've trained everyone from children to elite athletes to move better, feel better, and perform better. While a thorough understanding of fitness and nutrition is vital, underpinning that is mindset. And I've come to discover just how important it is. I've worked with literally thousands of people. And more often than not, it's the ones who win the mind game who succeed in the big game. So how do they do it? This is the Mind Your Body Podcast. G'day and welcome to the episode prelude for Jessica Scolieri. Now I am going to point out that I am actually recording this prelude with COVID myself. And I find it ironic and a little bit only fair that I am recording the prelude with COVID when Jess has been doing the interview for us on long COVID and has been living with long COVID since March of 2020. So we actually recorded our interview in November of 2021, and I am now recording this prelude in February of 2022. So a little bit ironic, um, but as I said, I think it only fair that um, I have got a little bit of a taste into what Jess lives like on a day-to-day basis. Okay, I am going to also point out that if you are watching this episode on YouTube that I have had a haircut, you may have noticed. So the long hair that had loaded up with wax has gone. I'd had enough of it and I was sick of it from living in isolation, had an ISO haircut. My 11-year-old son actually cut it and I actually think it looks too bad for an 11-year-old. What do you think? Let us know in the comments section below. Okay, let me introduce you to this episode. In this episode, you are going to learn the story behind why Jess decided to write a book Toxic and Repetitive Behaviours in Relationships and the Narcissistic Empath Relationship, The Value of Travel for Personal Growth, Working in Podiatry and How Jess is Taking Her Practice on the Road, Jess's Initial COVID Symptoms, The Importance of Wearing a Mask in Jess's Opinion, The Scary and Sad Story as to Why Jess Flew Home to Melbourne from London, Jess's Experience of COVID in Australia Compared to England, plus The Importance of Not Overdoing It. And that leads us into our sponsorship for this episode. This episode is brought to you today by the Mind Your Body Show two-week intro package. It'll be linked up in the show notes below. But in your two-week intro package, which is all about joining our team and training with us, you will get a wellness consultation. That is a one-hour deep dive into your past, present, and future I refer to this as like a pre-exercise questionnaire on steroids. You'll also do a health screening, a physical induction, which is a one-hour deep dive into the fundamentals of human movement. We'll create you a customized plan. We'll do personal coaching. Yes, that is with me. You get access to our training app where in there I will train you one-on-one for two weeks with exactly what you need. And you'll also get access to our members-only Facebook group where you get access to all of the other superstars in our team. Moving on to our review of the week, and our review of the week doesn't come this week, but what I do have for you is a request to leave a review for us. If you head to Apple Podcasts and you scroll down to the bottom of the Mind Your Body Show, you'll see a section there where it says leave a rating and review, and I would highly, highly be so excited if you left us a five-star rating and review and I'll read out the best ones each week. So thank you for the people who have done that thus far. Okay, let me introduce you to Jess and then let's get into it. Jessica Scolieri, with a deep love for travel and experiencing new cultures, Jess has tried to put those learned experiences into daily living whilst continuing to learn and develop. 
In her most recent years, Jess has been battling long COVID and learning how to adjust to life with a chronic condition. Remaining positive has been part of that journey. In fact, she actually says that probably having a positive mindset is the most important thing that you can do. Learning that she now has physical limitations that she can't simply push through has encouraged her to transfer that energy into writing. Jess is now working on a novel about learned behaviours, repeated patterns, and learning to heal yourself. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Scolieri. Jessica, welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. Hello. So I'd like to ask the same question of all of our guests when they come on the show. What have we interrupted today on this fine Saturday morning as we do this recording? Um, I was just doing some writing this morning and then I am actually going to a dance recital with a friend this afternoon. So that's that's pretty much my Saturday. Normally I would say I'd go to the gym, but I was a bit slack this morning. <laughs> I had to put <laughs> on the you... face. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of, what does your gym workout normally entail? It really depends on how I feel. So normally before I got sick, I would probably do a lot of weightlifting and boxing. Um, but now it really does vary on where I'm at with like my fatigue levels and my neuroinflammation and stuff like that. So it so normally it would be probably a circuit and some boxing, ideally. Um, but if I'm having a bad day, maybe it'll just be some rowing. So nothing too strenuous. So it will vary. Mm, and you mentioned a dance recital. What's this for? Oh, I actually don't know. My friend just asked if I could go and I said, yeah, I'll be your plus one. So it'll be fun, I'm sure. <laughs> and the, the third thing that you'd mentioned just then about what we interrupted is you're doing some writing. What are you writing about and what are you writing for? Um, so I started writing around about, I think, July last year, actually. And it was actually just after a breakup as well. Um, so I was living in London for four years and I would I'm normally a podiatrist and I did some like uh, travel shows and film reviews and stuff like that on the side and working in a gym. Um, so little kind of different hats that I was wearing. And then I got COVID back in March 2020 and was pretty unwell and I ended up with long COVID. So by May 2020, I ended up coming home and uh, it was just after like dealing with um kind of like doctor's appointments and like people coming to me for advice and having dealt with the breakup I just had all these words that I wanted to get out so I started writing um because I couldn't do a lot of what I normally would do which would be training or physical um or working so yeah I started writing and I kind of taken its own little form so it starts off with like nine chapters of toxic or repetitive behaviors um, and looking at relationships it's like if you're going out with somebody who you know is a toxic person but you you kind of used to that behavior and you repeatedly form that pattern or like a narcissist and an empath relationship so those are the first nine and then the second nine chapters are more on healing. So at the moment, I'm actually writing a chapter on food and healing. And then another chapter will be on manifestation, self-esteem workshops. So, yeah, it's, I think I'm about 45,000 words into it. So it's just kind of taken a life of its own. That's but crazy. That's um, I said to you before we started recording that we could take this episode in many different directions. And I, I think yeah. you're going to have to come back on and talk about this book. Have you got a title yeah. for it yet? Um, it's a 
I don't know if I could say it on a podcast. It's basically like get your shit together and heal your damn self. That's pretty much the the theme of it. It's kind of it. like taking taking accountability of you know the choices that you make and and then if you're making repeated cycles, you know maybe it's not the person that you need to be looking at. It's within and why you're making those choices. I don't want to go down this path too long because I think yep. it is legitimately an entire episode. But <laughs> how do you know if you are in a relationship with a toxic person or if you could potentially be getting into a relationship with a toxic person? I think you need to really work on your self-awareness and acknowledgement um, and then have a little look at your repeated um, patterns. So not just in relationships, but your work situations, what you allow, what your boundaries that you you allow to let in um, that can be friends so you know it's not just about a love relationship necessarily it's also about your self relationship how you talk to yourself um it's you know your your family background or the way that your your history is like I'm Italian we tend to um kind of give the shirt off our back but then also that comes with strings attached and there's a bit of martyr stuff and you know there's there's lots of things that kind of you know, I'm using my hands as we speak, obviously very Italian. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of things that kind of lead to that um, behaviour in the first place. And it's just being a bit more aware um, because I, I, I hate having like a, a friend come up and complaining about the same thing, knowing full well where that situation is going to go. And I'm like, why am I wasting my breath? Like if you I've told you what I think, you know what you need to do. You don't want to listen. It's now not my issue. So I'm a little bit like bit so I don't Italian. want to sugarcoat things. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't want to sugarcoat things. I think, you know, I think time is energy and you know, if you want to stay in that rut and be in that self-hate cycle, by all means go for it, but you know, I want to move on from that and I want to look at people who want to better themselves in a positive way. I like that. You just said time is energy. I wrote that down. I'm going to use that um, in some <laughs> okay. ways, maybe to promote this episode. Um, but it's a common saying that you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time around. And one of the things yeah. that I've really discovered in the last, particularly probably 12 to 24 months is that can be in different areas. So I think like financial relationships, um, work and so on. And I've really been diving into this, particularly having, and I've spoken a bit about the barefoot investor, the Australian finance guy lately on social media and, um, as soon as I started to change my finances, for example, I started having different conversations with different people. And some of them were actually long-term friends who I just yeah. had started having different conversations with. And it's yeah. the same with friends where yeah. I found that certain friends I've had to spend more, less time with or more time with because of those relationships and even with significant others. Um, it's, I think you can have that some of the five people in different areas. Would you agree with that? I do, but I also think this is where I also get, I, I, I've travelled over 70 countries. And so my thing is I'm, when, when I'm looking at, you know, the people that I'm actually surrounding myself is, is that if I'm surrounding myself with the same demographic or the same age group or the same socioeconomic in the same country, I'm actually not promoting my own growth. I think it's really important that you are aware and that you open your eyes to different ways, different religions, different countries, different age groups, different viewpoints for you to actually get the most or the the biggest growth. Um, and that's something that I, when I go travelling, I'm not a tourist, I want to be a traveller. So I want to engage and I want to look at how different 
different ways or different ways of living and cultures for me to get the best out of my own personal growth. And I think that's really important as well and being open and receptive to that. So like I've done like some aid work in India and I've sat with like people who are, have arranged marriages and the people that I was with couldn't understand that. And I was like, but I'm listening from their perspective and all I feel in their home is love. That's not such a bad thing. And so just going in with like an open mind and an open perspective, I think is really important and just making sure that you're globally aware of these things as well and not just having those five key points or those five key people in that same kind of demographic or the same age group or the same upbringing, I think it's really important that that is a, a, a bigger picture. That's interesting. And I really like that. It's a little bit uncommon as well. Um, yeah. But I think travel is the best education. What's the best Absolutely. country you've ever been to? Oh, I, don't, I think I have best experiences rather than countries because I think, you know, in every country that you go to, you'll find common common things. You'll find a bank. You'll find, you know, a couple fighting or a couple in love or you'll find, you know, you'll find a, a place of religion. Um, you'll find a food source. Um, so those are all common things that you will find. And you don't need to know the language to understand people. Um, you can get the vibe of body languages and interactions. Um, so I think probably some of the most unique experiences that I had was I did really enjoy Galapagos Islands um, for the ecosystem. And I really enjoyed places like uh, going to the World Cup, going to Russia, because that was really cool and unique, um, or even going to like Tomorrowland Belgium Festival and just feeling like all that energy and music and vibes. Um, so I think it's more about like unique experiences um, that I've had. Uh, I can't put a finger on like five, like my top five. I just say like I've had some pretty cool experiences. Yeah, that's so cool. You've taken my question and answered it in a completely different way that I expected. So that's amazing. I really, really like that. But yeah. that's pretty uncommon to travel as much as you have. Like people travel a lot, but what you're saying the mentality and the mindset that you have is, I would imagine, in my experience, is uncommon. Um, I personally yeah. love traveling. I've traveled a fair bit. I don't think I've been to 70 countries, but um, I reckon at least 20 or more. Um, yeah. What has happened in your life for you to have that mindset, that belief system? What's gone on to make you travel to 70 plus countries? I think um, for me, I, uh, I grew up fairly like traditional Italian family so I was in a relationship for a long time and that didn't work out um, they had some we had some issues with substances within a relationship and I think from there I just kind of went this is what I actually want to do and this is what I've always wanted to do but I've suppressed this so when I moved over to the UK I didn't really know anyone and I just went this is this is my time like I've spent my whole 20s doing the right thing and I was pretty miserable doing it and now this is my time and so I've always just had a fascination of people and um, I think that that was what really drew me to it and like learning and discovering myself while I do that travel was also really key I didn't want to bring any issues that I had from the past into something new so I really I've really enjoyed that time I also worked with older people for like 15 years doing podiatry and I listened I I never hear an older person coming in going oh I wish I had a, had a bigger house or a new tv 
or anything like that. It was always, I wish I had traveled more. I wish I've had, I would have done what I wanted to do. And so I, I listened to that and I took that in. Um, and uh, that's kind of what led me to wanting to travel and experience and do those things. I'm so glad that you brought up podiatry because that's where I was going to go next. So yeah. you've gone and done the more traditional stuff in your 20s, and I presume that yeah. means out of high school and into a university to study podiatry. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about that. So, yeah, I went straight from uni, uh, went into straight to a hospital position for six years and was doing like diabetic foot ulcers um, and, you know, kind of managing three different sites in um, in in Victoria and then I went into more like sports and biomechanics and private because that is quite heavy work and you just really see people de- like just getting sicker and lose more and more bits of themselves and I, it was just actually quite depressing um, so I got to a point where I'd had enough and so I needed something a little bit of a lighter work because I was absorbing too much of that and I at that stage I didn't know how to protect myself against taking in all of that so I then moved into the private sector and I kind of got some experience from there working for other people. And then I thought, well, I can do this myself. So I started to open up my own sites back in 2009. And by 2014, I had three sites that I was doing on my own and two nursing homes, completely burnt out though. I was, it was at a detriment to my health and that was probably one of my biggest motivations of wanting to travel and do things for myself because I was couldn't get past like a 38 to 43 kilos and stuff like that so I was really just running on empty fumes and then I um, sold everything moved over to the UK and yeah that was pretty much my story so podiatry has been a big part of it I unfortunately can't really do much of it now because of my long COVID, but um, I still am just trying to do some home visits here and there to keep up my hours. So talking about visits, I imagine podiatry is a sort of uh, business where you need to have a bricks and mortar clinic. How do you travel the way you travel and be able to so live the life that you want to live, so live the way you want to live, but still be able to do what you love doing, which is podiatry? So I would uh, rent out uh, like a room in a clinic. So I would still have my stationary spot. Um, And then I have also, I would have, I'd manage another clinic. And so when I wanted to go away, I would just block out my diary because I'm a subcontractor and I can do what I want. So (laughs) I was like, bye, my health comes first. Um, And that's important to be when you're in a caring role, you need to make sure that you're caring for yourself first. Those are the things that made me happy. And when I'm climbing mountains and being away from, you know, everything, switch off my phone, no feet, don't want to see any corns, done. So now um, that was back then. Um, Now I'm actually invented something that's going to make me even more happier. I've done a remote clinic. So I'm basically going to start traveling around Australia and visiting different towns while I'm going there and I'll have podiatry equipment with my portable drill and equipment and I'll be able to treat people as I go along that's the theory or the idea like I have a little portable drill and a little um, disposable equipment and so the idea is that I can then travel and I can actually still treat at the same time but I've always tended to have like one location but now I'm not doing that because that's too much pressure and too much stress for me I'm not going to do it again yeah that's awesome that's where I was hoping you were going to go with that because I knew that you were doing some kind of yeah Traveling, traveling podiatrist yeah yeah I just yeah. launched That's, 
what's the name of it? Uh, traveling it podiatrist. podiatrist? Service. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And where can people find that? We'll link this up in the show notes, but where can people find that? Um, so I've just got my mobile number for now. Like I'm keeping it pretty low key. So I can give you that. It's like 0404352990. I've got a little sticker on the car. <laughs> so I've just put up some things on Facebook, like on Darwin. And I've had a couple of clients. It's been really nice. So, you know, like, again, it's just to keep my hours. I can't do too much. It'll burn me out. So just, yeah, keeping it pretty low key. But it still makes me happy knowing that I'm still able to keep my craft. So, yeah. So cool. So why feet of all body parts? Uh, well, I've my, actually I, always wondered this with podiatrists. I thought that they were crazy. Yeah, like, I, actually I, I really wanted, like feet. I wanted but, to be, a, sorry, what was that? I was going to say, I really like feet. I worked at Athlete Sport and I absolutely love the like the no. anatomy and physiology of that part of the job. But yeah. I've thought yeah. podiatrists were a little bit crazy because we had a fair bit to do with them working there um, in that, that's all they did. <laughs> yeah. And this is something that I'm not like a normal, probably podiatrist where I don't obsess over feet. I actually think they're pretty gross. I will not touch a foot without like two gloves and a mask. Um, so for me, I, uh, I actually wanted to do like marine biology and like cooking and uh, the, court, the, the course was very far away from my family. And I was like, nah. So I actually pretty much got um, when I was younger, like I, I wasn't quite sure. And I just kind of randomly picked some things out of my hat, uh, out of a hat and podiatry was one of them, um, mainly because I have like seven aunties and uncles with type 2 diabetes and one of my aunties had a, a, like a little amputation and um and I was curious because I you know diabetes and feet is obviously very important for um avoiding like amputations and stuff so that was where that interest came from because of my family background mm, okay but I always so, had multiple hats of different things like I always did something else on top of podiatry why, why is that? I think I don't like I don't like to be pigeonholed into one thing and that's part of my personality. Like I, I'm I've been boxing since I was three. My dad was a pro boxer. I like to do yoga or I like to write, I like to cook. Um, I, I like to you know learn about medicine. I don't think you have to have one hat. Mm, that's cool. So moving across to the UK and getting yep. COVID, what was it like? Uh, in the UK at that time around 2020 when COVID was really hitting? So I think they, they came very late to lockdown. So I think I was I was actually at a rave the week before with like 15,000 people watching Eric Prince. And then um, back then you couldn't get a COVID test um, unless you had a fever or a cough because this was very early March. And I was presenting to um, emergency department um, with like tightening of my leg, um, feeling really, really unwell, um, sore kidney, um, all neuro pain. And they were like, you have a virus, but, you know, you, you don't have COVID um, at that stage because you don't have a fever and you don't have a cough. So we, we can't swab you. And then I think after my first week, um, they were like, you have a virus and it could very well be, but we can't swab you because legally we can't. Um, they, that was by law. So and actually for like my first six months of being unwell, um, we didn't know if I actually had COVID or not um, because I went and got all the tests until long COVID actually came out and then we all pieced it together. And my partner at the time was looking after me. He lost his sense of smell. Again, that wasn't a warning sign. We were isolating and then he got sick after he was looking after me. So again, that was like 
you know, now we know. Um, but he had yeah, COVID the lo- as well? He, yeah, well, we didn't know. Um, he, yeah. you know, but he did lost his sense of smell. Um, so what happened did he, was did he have long COVID? Did he end up getting long COVID? I don't think so. We don't chat anymore, unfortunately. Um, so that's a, that's another different story. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, what happened was when you were first going in, I, it was before everything was separated. So there was actually I was going into emergency department, and there was, um, and also masks weren't worn by the health staff. So they were like the first people to really hit by it because they were instructed not to scare people, don't wear a mask. So they were actually pulling in COVID patients into the into the room while we're all sitting all together, unseparated, and then realizing it was a COVID patient, and then getting PPE. So to be honest, like the first kind of like, like March, early March, mid-March, the hospitals were really bad. By April, when you went to the emergency department, the hospital line was actually outside and around the building to get into the emergency department. It was that bad. Um, So it was, it was, I think for the first kind of month, it was pretty mayhem. Um, after like presented for about 10 days, it then got separated where you went into the non-COVID area and it was dead. It was empty because nobody wanted to go near a hospital. And then you went into like, obviously other people were in the other COVID area, which was just rammed and swamped. But the first kind of initial, it was just, it was chaotic. So let me get this straight. When you first went and presented at hospital with tightening of the neck, how long did it uh, yeah. take to get your COVID test? How many weeks and months? Till I came to Australia. Oh, really? Till I uh, till I literally was going in and out of hospital for two months. I woke up with my heart going to 170 on the 18th of, um, it was my dad's birthday, it was May 18th. I woke up after two months of being really like going in and out of being really unwell. And I thought, I actually can't do this. And I thought, I'm going to die here. And it was a very... It was not something I say lightly and um, I was by myself in the house and I woke up and I thought, this is it. And I rang up my mum and I said, I need to come home because I don't want you to organise a body bag for me to come home. And that was my train of thought. And it wasn't even I was worried about going or like leaving. I was more like I was worried about what my family would have to do um, to get me back. So my mum was like, get on a flight, get get home now. And I couldn't, I didn't have the energy to pack. I was pretty much rocked up with a little backpack. I caught a flight four hours later, I was in Heathrow. Um, I booked a flight, four hours was there, and then I was on my way home. And then as I entered in Australian waters, this was two months obviously being sick. Like I I let them know what was happening. I went straight into, obviously at that stage, they were paying for all the um, quarantines and I can't like, I can't promote Australian government and services enough. I got off the plane. I had a care package. Um, I had no clothes. They organised care packages from home. I had three COVID swabs in the first two days where I could not get one in the UK. And that's the difference. I was like, they they were, um, they paid for my ambulance trips. I ended up in the Alfred Hospital three times because my heart was going to 190. Um, like I, and like they were, got, they were paying for my ambulance trips, everything, because I didn't have ambulance cover. So the difference between the, uh, you know, the care that I got in the UK um, and the care that I got received in it when I entered in Australian waters is, is huge. And, um, yeah, the way that they've handled it is, is very different. 
whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa like mind blown. I don't know where to go to next. Yeah. Um, so what did you think was going on or possibly that you had when you were in the UK for that two months and you had no, no diagnosis? Um, I didn't know. I knew something was really wrong. Uh, it was definitely food triggered. So every time I ate, um, I would be having these like neuro attacks, which I now know are neuro attacks. Um, and I have mast cells through my GI tract because obviously I got um, I got tests done here that showed I have elevated mast cells and POTS syndrome, which means like when I get up, my heart rate rates and stuff like that. Um, so I really didn't know at that time. I thought maybe potentially I had gotten something off the person, like the, the new partner that I had because I'd, I'd known him for a long time or I was thinking that I had COVID or I was thinking that I had some kind of autoimmune condition or I, I honestly did not know. I just knew that I was really sick. And I'm usually like I've got a pretty good medical background. I'm usually pretty good at figuring out when things are wrong with myself and being able to pinpoint it. I just didn't know what the hell was happening to my body. It was it was, it was very, I'm going to say, I don't like to use the word traumatic, but I definitely have some trauma associated with that. And there's some fear that I've never had before because I'm not a person who fears things, but now there's some fear. Yeah. So you said it was triggered by food. Was it any certain food or just all food? Pretty much at the moment, I'm still on this. I still can't have food. Um, pretty much have chicken, pork, um, potatoes, rice, carrot, celery. Sometimes I can have cauliflower. Sometimes I can't. I can have chocolate again. That's after like six months of not being able to have chocolate. I'm very happy about that. Um, but, yeah, so pretty much I lived off red apples and potatoes and chicken for maybe three months once I figured out those are the foods that weren't triggering it. Everything else still triggers. Like I had a I had an attack yesterday because I tried raspberries. So the, the neck tightened up, all the mast cells went off just from raspberries. Yeah, that's crazy. I was going to ask so you I miss um, food. what. Yeah, yeah, I bet. And it must yeah. create a whole bunch of anxiety around eating time and food as well. I've, I think I've worked really hard on that. I did because I was like, I don't know what to do. Now I'm like, do you know what? I'm okay to have potatoes and chicken for the rest of my life if it means that I don't feel sick. That's cool. It's a small part. It means I also can't drink, uh, which is very undarwin. Um, but that's also not a bad thing either. Yeah. How do you go with stuff like um, tea and coffee? No, no good. I was able to have decaf um, back home in Melbourne, but as I travelled up here, I had another relapse uh, in May this year because um, I got super dehydrated and was pushing myself too much. So I had a massive relapse and I haven't been able to quite get back to how I was before. Um, I'm going to talk about a personal story of mine as a way of yeah. kind of relating. I, I hope please don't think that I'm trying to compare this to long COVID no. at all because it's nothing the same. But I, in 2008, I had a, I still don't actually know if I did, but I was sort of, I was told by the doctor that I likely had Barma forest virus, which is okay. like a cousin described to me as like a cousin of Ross river, which most people know Ross river. It's a mosquito borne virus, which makes you really lethargic and tired. And so Barma forest is very similar and they don't really know how long, um, it lasts for but essentially it could last for your entire life yeah from christmas 2008 right through 2009 i was absolutely exhausted all of the time i was teaching at the time and just simply walking from one side of the school to the other side of the school in the morning to pick up my role would absolutely exhaust me i would be wrecked by the time i got there 
then a week of work would make me so tired that by Friday afternoon, I would just hit the couch, lay down, and I would spend the entire weekend on the couch until Monday morning when I went back to school and did it all again for another week. And then around, I think it was either October 8 or October 10 of 2009, it was like, bang, it just went away like that. It was really, really weird. However, since then, if I do too much, I get really, really exhausted really fast and I get really sick. In 2014, I did way too much. I was teaching. I was running two boot camps in the morning. I was running fitness, um, strength and conditioning with a couple of different groups. I was working part-time at the Institute of Sport and I was teaching five classes of psychology and child studies in year 11 and 12 at a local high school. So I was really, really burnt out. I ended up getting really sick from that, real scary. And so when I hear of celebrities now getting hospitalized with stress, I know exactly what that feels like because you think, oh, yeah, whatever. It can't be that bad, toughen up. But it's like an out-of-body mind experience. It's really weird. So and I I think I got that from this Balmer Forest. In the blood tests, I had two blood tests for Balmer Forest come back equivocal, which means maybe it's there, maybe it's not, and one negative. So the doctor said, yeah, it's probably there. We just can't really, like, pinpoint it, whatever. Um, but now if ever I do too much, I get really, really run down. And it's like, mm-hmm. I have no choice but to lay down. It's, yep. it's, it's a weird experience, yep. no, but it no, sounds very similar to what you're yep. saying. Absolutely. And this is the thing, like, especially like, you know, this post viral stuff, like I normally, if it's like broken bones or something like that, you push through it. Or if it's like a cold or a flu or whatever, but when you're talking about a, a serious virus, you don't have a choice. You learn very quickly that, yeah, you may want to go at 100%, but you can't because what will happen as a repercussion for a week or two weeks or a month later is not worth it. So yet when I step inside the gym, my mentality or my mind wants to go at 110 because that's the way that I'm driven, but I need to go at 50. Otherwise, I'm going to burn out. And I learned that very, very quickly after my May episode of traveling and trying to keep up with a, a normal person, um, not even a normal person, like he was, he's a hiker. So I was trying to keep up with someone, you know, doing like 16, 17 kilometer hikes daily in Australian heat when I was in London and grew up in Melbourne. Like I'm not used to this heat. So my body very quickly said, no, nah, this is not okay. And so I think that's really, really hard because, your mind wants to go and do all these things and, you, you know, you think you can, but you, when, a, when you're actually have these type of illnesses, you really can't. And you just, you have to accept it. And it's not, and I'm, and I think one of the biggest things I see in my long COVID support group is that when will I be normal? When will I get back to me? And I'm like, no, no, you're just going to have to learn that this is a new you and this is a new way of dealing with things. And that, that old way, is no longer valid now you can't do it like that and you have to read your body and be in tune with it um, because otherwise you'll just keep burning out and you'll just keep having that repeated cycle like a hundred percent and that's hard and that's probably one of the reasons why I started writing because I was like okay well physically I can't do certain things but I can keep my mind active and I can keep doing other things that are going to stimulate me and I have a lot of weekends now where I can't do anything like and that's fine I spent so many years traveling and running around that having a weekend watching Netflix is not a bad thing. (laughs) Tell me about that um, long COVID support group. Yeah. So um, there's like, there's a couple of big ones on Facebook. They're pretty disorganized to be fair. 
Um, I actually recently just started my own because I was finding that there was too much negativity on them. So there's over a million of us in the support group, um, in the one that, one that I'm in. And I can show you screenshots. It's literally like, should I just end myself? When will this end? And that's all I was, I was just copying this influx of negativity. Now, some, some of the posts are really good because they are the ones that um, post up all the forefront of research. So I want to be part of that and I want to read and I want to learn about what's happening and what's going on in terms of that because Australia, we don't really have a long COVID support group because it's mostly in the US and the UK where there was more cases. <coughs> no, you don't have COVID, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted um, to feel like a part of it. I want to be part of the group. <laughs> I know, it's fine. Um, so, yeah, the, the support group I've done is literally just, I only started it last month the same time as I started the business because I wanted to do things that, within the scope that I could. And so I, I've just done a group only on positivity and recovery. That's it. I only want like, and I'm only putting things in that promote a better and positive, more mentality. Because if I sit there and I'm not in a good frame of mind, and I've had a couple of hospital admissions since I've been here, like sunburn to me turns into a viral rash, or, you know, I've got bitten by fire ants um, on Thursday sorry, yeah, Thursday, and it set up all my mast cells. So then I had all neck tightening and dizziness for the last two days. And so I just, if I'm not in that like good frame of mind and I'm going on there and I'm seeing all this negative spin, I'm absorbing that. And I don't, I don't want to, like, I, I, I need to make sure that I keep myself. I think the biggest battle when you have these chronic conditions is mentally keeping tough. And that's really hard when you don't feel well and you're constantly not feeling well. So I think that's, that's um, one of the reasons I started my own. But, yeah, they, they do have very good information and I do like being in them. So you've done a really good job of making this sound like not the best group to be in, but you've also done a good job of making it sound like it's got some really cool research. What's the name of this yeah. group on Facebook? Oh, they have different ones. I think one of them's called like Long COVID Haulers and another one's just Long COVID um, Support Group. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a couple of different ones that I'm part of. I'm, after, I'm actually in one for Long COVID Endurance Athletes um, and I really like that one. That one's really good. And that's mainly for people who are like, because there's a, there's a, there's a thing called like, uh, th there's a lot of research going towards after you um, exercise, how the symptoms really relapse. And that's mainly because of the promotion of neuroinflammation. But this particular group is really good. And I really like that one. So that's long COVID endurance athletes. And what's the name of your one? Um, it's long COVID re uh, recovery tips. Yeah, cool. And I'll get you to send me the links to all of them after we finish recording so that I can link yeah. all them up for people to yeah. go and check out for themselves. I think that's what I've called it anyway. I can't even actually remember <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah, we'll link it up either way. Um, so you mentioned um, a whole bunch of different people there. And in that big one that you're talking about has a million people. Do you have any idea how many people around the world have been diagnosed with long COVID? I would say that there's there's easily a, I wouldn't I wouldn't have a clue like in terms of other non English speaking countries because most of the support groups are obviously English speaking and then you've got countries that don't allow for Facebook so I I wouldn't know what those those countries are like I do know that I'm I'm still in very very much close contact with all my UK friends and my my old receptionist she said that you know yeah the deaths have gone down but every second person comes in with some aspect of long COVID. Um, so, you know, I don't think, 
I don't think our research is, is at that scope. I think every, the, the world is still focused on, on death rates. You get COVID, death rate, you die. If you don't die, you're okay. Actually, if you get COVID, you might not be okay. And I don't think there's, I don't think we have space in our media or forum yet or time for that research to come through yet. So I wouldn't actually know. Um, you know, I, I would easily say over a couple million easily. And then I've got friends that have had it twice and, and have had nothing. So it's just like Russian roulette. You don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what's some of the, is there, or is there any that you remember the biggest research that you've, the most memorable research that you've come across in those groups? Yeah, there is a really good doctor that actually happened to be around the corner of the house that I lived in. Um, so I was like, oh, great, I'm in Australia and he's over there. Um, so his name is Dr. Uh, ben Poon and he has been doing heaps of stuff. Um, this is at Hammersmith Hospital in London. And I Basically, his um, his stories or his um, research that he puts up really just hit home. So after after I watched his video, I started to increase my water intake to about three to four liters a day. I increased my salt intake. Um, I also do things to like manage the pots and stuff like that. So hydration is huge um, for for COVID. You really need manage to like what? Sorry. Um, pots so it's like um, your heart going really funny so I have my little watch here so when I'm having a bad day I can walk 200 meters and my heart will go up to 170 for no reason so that's when I know that I'm I'm not I, I need to rest for a few days my heart will go really weird even though I've worn a halter and all that stuff and I've had like an echocardiogram so this you know like you, you can tell like you get really tacky tachycardia and stuff so yeah his research was really good Mm. So obviously when you first got this, you wouldn't have been vaccinated because there probably wasn't nope. much vaccinations around. Have you been vaccinated since? Yes, just recently, actually. I was pretty I was pretty petrified. Um, so we were trying to arrange it for the Darwin Hospital to do it, but they wouldn't do it. So then I had to go to the hub and then the hub didn't really want to do it. So then they called the hotline and then they called the hospital and they were basically told they had to do it. And um I uh, I actually had a regression of symptoms um, initially, so that was really good. Um, so you can either go e either way. So with the vaccinations and long COVID, 25% improve, 25% get worse, 50% stay the same. That's what the research has shown so far and one guy that also does a fair bit of research in long COVID. Um, so I'm, I had a bit of a, an improvement. Um, so that was really good. I was so happy with that. Which, uh, so is that because they didn't want to do it because you'd had long COVID and they were, they were scared of what could happen? Yeah. Simply because yeah. they just didn't know, I presume. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, especially yeah. in Darwin, Northern Territory, like we've had like not many cases at all. So really people don't, there's, yeah, no, no clue. And which vaccination did you receive? I got Pfizer. And did you get a yeah. choice of which one to have? Um, no, no, I pretty much went in and yeah, Pfizer was the choice. Um, again, I don't think there's any, there's, there's no research saying one's better than the other for, for long COVID. So it wouldn't have really mattered. Yeah. But you didn't get any side effects from it? Uh, obviously I was tight. Like to be, to be fair, like 
let's put it this way. When you constantly wake up and you feel pretty crappy, you don't really know the difference when you feel additional crappy unless it's really bad. So I woke up no different, to be honest, the first time. The second time I had a bit of a fever and was more fatigued, but I actually put, I actually put myself, and this is the thing that I found when I had actual COVID virus, is that I would feel really good one day and I'd do a little bit and then I'd be sick for three days. So I actually said, no matter what, even if I feel okay, I'm going to be staying in bed for three days like no matter what because mm. I don't want to be like yeah I feel fine and overdo it and then I'm I'm struggling to get back into it so I just rested and it was the best thing that I could do I was I was a little bit feverish on the second one but no worse than normal yeah okay that's cool um yeah so what advice would you have for anyone who unfortunately gets long COVID or even just COVID in general um, I think that a lot of research that shows like when you actually have COVID is like keep up. Uh, I was lucky. I didn't have any breathing issues. So mine's mostly been like neuro and GI issues. Um, and I had lots of, I had ears, my ears ringing for about six months. I had fluid coming out of my ear and I had swelling all on my left side through my glands through here and through here, um, which is, which can be common as well. Um, I would say, get onto a support group is your best source because you're, I have spent 15,000 on all different private medical, like I've seen immunologists, neurologists, cardiologists, infectious diseases, hematologists, um, gastroenterologists, ENTs, no one's helped me. Like no one's not been able to really do anything or any advice or anything. And I would say the best that you can do is get onto a support group and even though filter out that negativity if you can because there is some really good information in there and that is the pit like we're helping each other we're basically learning and figuring things out as we go along together because people don't know what to do with us and the medical um, field really don't know what to do with us mm. so where do you see this going in the next few years to decades just from what you've read and what like what's your gut feel I try not to look at it to be honest because coming from having a medical background I understand what the damage is being done to my body and I definitely feel like it has shortened my life I I, ha I don't have a doubt but having said that I am not the type of person that I'm gonna I'm gonna take things for as they come and I'm just gonna not think too much about the future because I think that'll give me more stress. I'm just going to enjoy where I'm at and and be present. And if I have a good day today, then it'll be a good day. If I have a bad day, that's okay. But I'm not going to read too much into my future because then I think I'll start to panic or then I'll start to look at other people and go, why did this happen or why me or, or have that type of attitude and I'd, I'm just not going to think like that. It's not going to lead me down a nice path. So Living for the moment and being present, I think, is my my trick that I'm doing right now. Mm, that's such great advice. And you are going to be doing some exciting stuff coming up in the very near future where you don't need to think yes. too far ahead. So yes. when do you head off on this trip around where people can find you around the country as um, the travelling podiatrist? <laughs> I was hoping to leave. So I've been in Darwin like eight months as I've recovered from the last relapse and I've 
thoroughly enjoyed myself. I've had such a good time. I've made such amazing connections. So I'm going to be really sad to leave, but I do feel like I'll probably come back at some point. Um, I would like to leave at the end of January and head towards Queensland. But, you know, my plans are always flexible. I'm a bit of a gypsy, so I don't really like to have solid plans. I've just got like a rough or vague idea where I want to go and I'm just going to see where it takes me. And if I want to spend a month there, I'll spend a month there. If I want to spend a year there, I will. If I want to spend two days there, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not making too much solid plans. <laughs> I was like, ah, it's a big commitment. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, thank you so much for being on the Mind Your Body Show. I just want to acknowledge you for all of the work that you are doing in this long COVID space, as well as the podiatry area. And uh, thank you for your time on the Mind Your Body Show. No worries. My pleasure. Before, before I do wrap up, though, we finish every episode with a 10 in 10. So as you've been talking, I've been writing and I've taken ten or nine notes with a common 10 question for any regular listeners who know what that is. You get... Less than 10 seconds to answer the first thing. You can go over. It's not that strict. Um, but you get whatever comes to your mind time to respond to um, whatever I've written down, which has been my main points that you've talked about. All right. So are you ready to go with the 10 and 10? Ready. Okay. Number one, first thing, it might be a question. It might be a word. It might be a comment. That first thing that comes to your mind, writing. Joy. Two, Relationships. Stress. <laughs> do you want to elaborate on that? I, I do like to go on side notes on these. Can you elaborate on that? Because I'm sure not every relationship. Oh. You're thinking about specific stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I think I've gone in, maybe I've gotten a little bit too used to being on my own. <laughs> so now I'm like, oh, I don't have to, like in relationship, you have to think about other people. Now I'm just like, I just want to do my own thing. Don't, don't hold me back. <laughs> so... Yeah, I kind of, maybe I need to work on that association a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but number three, that's a nice segue, travel. Oh, happiness. Four, podiatry. Oh, stinky. <laughs> <laughs> we start to go down a little bit of a negative kind of, I tried to keep these positive as much as I could. And as I was writing, I'm like, Jacob, come on, you're going too negative here. But however this comes across to you, your initial COVID symptoms first thing that comes to mind uh traumatic number six mask wearing i i wore mask in podiatry so no different no change why is that because you said podiatry was stinky well no like we 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 use a drill so you have to wear a a mask so wait i'm 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 still unclear on this drill. What do you mean? I'm thinking like. Imagine like a really, I'm going to go gross here because you've gone there. So like really thick, yellow, disgusting, fungal infected nails. And I need a big drill to drill that bad boy down. And so that is what the drill is for. I'm basically like a carpenter, but using like medical tools. So it's like, (laughs) you need to take it down or someone coming in with like all fungus everywhere on their feet. I'm sanding it down with the sander. So I do not want to inhale that stuff. So I'm wearing a mask. And I also, I'm like, I don't want to get sick. So I'm happy to wear a mask. Although it's very hard to wear a mask in Darwin. I give it that. Good also, point. silently, okay, like when someone annoys you, you can literally mouth off like you're pissing me off and you can wear <laughs> a mask. So I don't see how that's a bad thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, number seven, coming home. Uh, sad. 
coming home was sad. I did not want to leave my life. I was really happy there. And, you know, obviously I had like a new partner that I was happy with as well. Um, I was happy to see my family, obviously, because there's that guilt there that me, you know, obviously being happy, but I, I did not want to be back. No, I didn't. You know what, actually, you know, I think England gets this um, reputation that it's like cold and dreary, depressing weather. you want to make it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, as I like, oh, <laughs> feeling like I've got wanting to be, be part of the group. Um, <laughs> I travelled around Europe and I actually thought England was one of my favourite countries in, yeah. you know, that UK, European um, holiday. It was really nice. I think we had like the th- only three days of sunshine while we were there. But doesn't matter. You've got, you've got arts. You've got arts and music. Like I'm, my music is like my therapy. For me, music is everything. So I've travelled all around the world, mainly also for music. And so for me, I'm like London is like the place to be. You've got arts, you've got music. I had a great friendship. I had a good job. I had start of a, a relationship that I really wanted to succeed. It was like the first time in a long time that I actually liked somebody because normally I'm just like, leave me alone. So that was hard. So I was sad to come back. I didn't want to. Mm. What was your, did you play musical instruments or singing? I played the drums when I was a kid, um, but I literally just love sounds. So it can be, I can go from like classical to, you know, techno to jazz to I, I don't I'm not a huge fan of country um I, I'm okay with it and I'm not a huge fan of screaming metal but I will go you know like I just love sounds um I don't really know the rest of England too well but certainly London my favorite part was that park in front of Buckingham Palace is it Hyde Park yeah I lived yeah, like that- uh, I lived about a 20 minute walk from there I lived around um, like Ladbroke Grove and Notting Hill and I, yeah, it's just, it's just magical. Like the history there is just awesome. I love Australia though too. Don't get me wrong. I don't want people to be like, oh, go back to England. Like Australia Mm. is just absolutely like you can't get better healthcare and more down to earth people or we don't really have the history or the cultural diversity like we do necessarily in Europe and travel access. We're far from everything, which is good for COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, actually, one of the um, big things that I noticed about England and other European cities like Paris and um, and Rome and stuff is that they're all quite flat at the same height, whereas in Australia and the US, you see, like, there's a definite CBD where the yeah. skyline pops up with buildings. Yeah. So it's yeah. not really like that. They're just so spread. They're so big yeah. that everything's and the same level. It's because they, like, obviously the history there, like when we're talking about like US and Australia, we're new. So we're building all the skyscrapers, you know, and like they've got like these old historic buildings that are like, you know, centuries old. Um, so that's, yeah, just different, just different. Okay, enough dreaming. I'm going to Canada next Christmas and I can't wait. Ah, nice. um, so I'm loving talking about all this travel stuff. Um, next one, number eight, Australian government and organisations organized number nine doing the right amount in your day uh tedious or about because i obviously mentally i want to go like i want to go and do everything that i want to do and i just have to i have to measure everything that i do now whereas i didn't have to before so it's it's tedious sometimes going well should I do that? Can I do that? Actually, I've got a little bonus one I'm going to throw in here. What is your okay. little like <clears throat> guilty pleasure or 
the little the things that you find pleasure in because people go oh chocolate or you know cup of coffee or whatever like what is it now for you that's your little pleasure the thing that just basic stuff that you just get lots of pleasure out of so for me I again it's probably dancing and music and I have to be careful how I do that um I've always been I'm not gonna lie I've always been a bit of a party girl like I've always like I'll be the last person off a dance floor um and if I go to Ibiza like I'll be there for seven days and I'd party straight like it would be be fine um so for me I have to have at least you know once every two weeks I need to go out for a dance and I can go sober like I've always been able to go sober it's not a big deal but yeah I need to have music and dancing that's my guilty pleasure but do you do that in the house as well you can oh yeah can when we're in lockdown I was having my own little raves I don't care <laughs> I don't care about like- what people thought a long time ago <laughs> If anyone follows my Instagram account, they know that I absolutely love dancing. I actually prescribe, they get this, in all of the people that I write online programs for, dancing, one song of dancing as part of the warm-up. And the best song that you can dance to is um, MC Hammer, Um, Can't Touch This. That's my mum's favourite song. (laughs) One, one, it's such a good warm-up. It gets like the blood flowing and everything like that. But also... When it comes to athletic performance, you need to have good, strong tendons, particularly the Achilles tendon. When it comes to running fast, jumping high, which is often um, a fundamental skill within most sports, you can get some really good like rebound stuff through dancing. So I definitely prescribe dancing all the time. Absolutely. And actually, I don't know if you can see, there's a scratch on my head. I think it's on my forehead just here that I don't know if if I'm close enough to be able to see that. Yeah, no, I can see. I was dancing so hard in the kitchen the other day. I was doing some like little, um, uh, what's it called, um, twerking move. And I was like, I whacked my hand up so fast that my thumbnail like took a chunk of my skin off my forehead. Anyway. Uh, dancing is the best. I think like my mum and I during our lockdown, like it was so good to be home. I literally for like the last 11 months, just chilling with mum and dad and actually having that quality time, like was just priceless. Cause I don't know how many adults can say that they've actually spent that time. And I, I actually enjoy, my parents are good people. So I actually enjoy being with them. So my mum and I would like put on MC Hammer and we would like go dancing and dad's like, what are you girls doing? We're like, we're having fun. Leave us alone. <laughs> and it was just like just happy just happiness and I think my mum I got that off my mum because I don't remember a time where we weren't kids on a Saturday morning she'd blast the music be cleaning and dancing around the house like that was just the way we grew up yeah that's so cool such a good um guilty pleasure or like not guilty pleasure pleasure okay number 10 is a question which I ask everybody so this is, if you can go forward in time or back in time, which would you go to and why? At what point in time would you go to? Remembering that this is time travel, so you can come back to now. I'm really interested, and I'm talking so you can think quickly um, in what you say, because this has been a very different conversation to the ones I normally have on this show. Yeah. So if you could go forward in time or back in time, which would you go to at what point and why? I probably say that I would I probably wouldn't want to get sick so I would probably go back and definitely change that because that's not it's not been an experience that I've, I've needed I've always been resilient I didn't need to be told that like I didn't need to go through this to know that I was resilient I went through stuff before that taught me that so that would probably where I would want to go back to and that's like but at the same token it's it's given me I, I wouldn't be back in Australia I wouldn't be writing. So there's 
some benefits to that. Um, I don't know. I, I'm scared to look at my future. <laughs> so I probably would say I'd want to go back and maybe change that I went through that process. And even if I did get sick, knowing what I know now and then being able to cope with it, because that unknowing of what actually was going on and that fear of whether or not I, what was going on and whether or not this was going to, if it was going to get better, because I'm a hell of a lot better than I was. I would like to go back and tell myself when I was sick that it will be okay, that you will get improve. Yeah. So that's so probably where I'd go. I absolutely love how positive you are about this and just generally with life. So I'm sure whatever happens, you'll attack it and embrace it um, with the positivity <laughs> of the champion. <laughs> Try um, to. How can people connect with you if they want to find out more and, um, and just follow your journey as you move on uh, and travel as the traveling podiatrist? Probably the, the easiest thing is probably on my Instagram uh, or my Facebook. I've got everything on private though. Um, but yeah, like obviously if people reach out to me, um, I've had a lot of people cause I've done a couple of interviews before, um, with like better health magazine. Um, and they've, I've had a lot of long COVID people reaching out and just asking advice. And I'm, I, it makes me so happy because I'd also looks at like going, I've been there before and now, cause I've got it so early on, I'm in those later stages of the, of the group. Um, so my Instagram is uh, fitness underscore loving life or just my name which is Jess Scolieri on Facebook I think there's only me anyway um, but yeah yeah those are probably the best things to source out um, I would say there's actually a really good post on your Instagram where you've got the difference I think it's I don't know if it's three days or a week between um, one in one post you're like dancing and loving life and then in the, I'm sure you're loving life in the other post, but you're in hospital and mm-hmm. it's, um, you're yeah. experiencing all the symptoms. I really like that yeah. post. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, that's the thing with chronic diseases. Like, yeah, I've got my happy face on, but people don't actually know the battles that you go through. And it's like, please don't. And, and that's, I think what I was trying to get across is that, you know, sitting here talking to you, I didn't know that you had a virus that, that you were battling and you're sitting here and you're looking at me going, oh, but she's so happy nothing can go wrong or, uh, you know, she doesn't she doesn't know. Like you don't have to have the look of a sick person to be sick. So you shouldn't assume when you're talking to people and just always go in with like care, light and love. Wise words and on. Jessica, thank you so much for being a guest on the Mind Your Body Show. My pleasure. It's great to talk to you. Thank you so much for tuning in today and joining us on the Mind Your Body Show. I am truly grateful for your presence with us. To find out more, head on over to the mindyourbodyshow.com for all the show notes and my biggest takeaways from this episode, as well as everything else you need to know to mind your body. I'll catch you in the next episode.